Welcome to the Simply People Podcast with Simply People founder and your host, Danny Clark. Welcome to the Simply People Podcast, the show that brings you the people behind particular subjects, organizations, or stories. I'm Danny Clark, and today we're talking all things occupational health and well-being with Neil Loach and Lynn Pratt. Now it's time to welcome Neil and Lynn. They're here to talk about occupational health, their passion for supporting others, and the future for the Association of Occupational Health and Wellbeing Professionals. Hello to you both. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Danny. Hi there. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us, Lynn. Thanks for joining us, Neil. Great to have you on the podcast today. So I normally start these sessions with uh, just a, a little question about what you're up to at the moment. Well, I'm um, very busy with COVID. Um, I work in the oil industry at the moment. So, of course, we've got a lot of travellers still travelling through the, around the world from oil rigs and terminals and places. So basically, it's it's really over the last sort of, uh, sort of nine months, it's been COVID really, sort of uh, assessing people to travel, looking at new regulations when they come in, the new tiers and things, and how we can keep our staff safe. And also supporting um, IOH members, which is the Association of Occupational Health and Wellbeing Practitioners. So supporting members um, through this really difficult time as well. So it's been very interesting. Um, and uh, hopefully you know things will start to get better in 2021 um, but for the moment really it is all about COVID Danny unfortunately. Sounds like a busy time it, there's been yep. a few cha- challenges for the oil industry this year I guess. Yes very much so um, obviously people aren't driving like they were you know, most people have got their cars parked up there's very few planes traveling um, so it has been a very difficult time for, for, for all in the industry as it has been for, for a lot of industries a lot of people. Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds quite challenging. I guess you're busy um, trying to juggle COVID with with the IOH work that you've been doing as well. So, can you just explain to people what it is that you do for the IOH, Lynn, and how you support members? Yeah, so over the last four years, I've been editing the OHE journal, which goes out four times a year to all our members, um, and also the newsletters that go out periodically as well to keep our members updated. So earlier this year, I took on the vice president role as well to support uh, Neil Loach, who's uh, an amazing um, president. And I've also worked with Lucy, who's also been um, an amazing president. She's now the past president. And so we've really been um, supporting members trying to get people to to interact building up our our membership the members have really found IOH very useful I think over the last few months while we've been kind of not mixing with people they haven't had the support perhaps from colleagues maybe in the office while people have been working from home so it's been a difficult time so we've been supporting members keeping them updated because obviously things are changing so quickly as well I don't think occupational health has changed as quickly in in ever before and so so really I try and support members to 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 try and help them write things for the for the journal and um, you know share knowledge um, which is fantastic and um, I'm now working um, with the IOH to deliver some great webinars I think Neil will will touch on that a bit later but we've got some really great stuff coming up um, to, to help people. Sounds really exciting. Neil what about yourself what are you up to at the moment? Right. Well, it's it's um, been a, a phenomenally busy last few months at the University of Derby. So really, at this moment in time, taking some some downtime, which I think is is really really important to do. And I suppose in that between uh, Christmas and New Year time, it's 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 really just recharging batteries, ready to 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 get going again in 2021. 
not that we ever really stop working because obviously you know you, you you're always filtering out bits of news and you know looking at the situation and obviously we can actually see that it's getting really really busy in the NHS and I know from you know feedback that I've had from from students that are working in the NHS that it really is quite getting quite dire at the moment so uh, obviously I think we've we've got you know one heck of a challenge still to overcome so you know keeping an eye on uh, on the news and keeping updated and seeing what's what's happening really and looking at how IOH as an organisation can support its members going forward so so I can't really say that it's a, a you know any real time off because it's not yeah so if 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 we wasn't currently in the covid pandemic um situation that we're in at the moment what what would your rest time look like what would you be doing um well recently retired from the nhs after 36 glorious years so obviously for me i suppose really my my downtime is around home family friends uh, dogs you know getting out and about and you know just keeping myself uh, busy i do a lot of cooking as well uh, I, I wouldn't say i'm a fantastic cook but uh, uh, I like to to try you know new new challenges, so so yeah that's 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 pretty much me really. Fantastic. So Lynn mentioned Neil that um, you're running some webinars in in 2021 for the IOH. 21 yeah. in 21 webinars, I think you mentioned. Yeah, um, well, it's probably going to end up being in excess of 21 webinars because we've had you know so many people come forward and say that they want to you know to do something for the OH community. So it looks as though we could end up with, with more than 21, which is fantastic. And really, the, the idea behind this was, was obviously we wanted members to maintain their continuing professional development. But that's been really, really difficult in COVID times because obviously a lot of the face-to-face stuff was actually cancelled. And when they are going ahead, there are a lot of members that, that either can't afford to, to attend some of the the online events or really don't have the time to be able to do it during a really, really busy day. So we decided that the majority of our, our, our webinars are going to be in the evening, although probably some will be during the day. And that, whilst that doesn't encourage downtime, it does mean that obviously, you know, people hopefully will have a bit more time to be able to commit to their continuing professional development and and the sharing of knowledge which is what IOH really is all about. Sounds fantastic where can people find more information about these webinars is it on your website? Yeah it's on the website the first two are open to non-members and then obviously as a a distinct membership benefit we've decided to 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 make it member only and not only that um, uh, we've we've actually got you know a limited capacity to be able to host these things and we wanted the members to have first dibs as it were uh, and uh, the first two are, are, are looking um, uh, really really healthy at the moment in terms of numbers that, that we've uh, uh, managed to uh, get people to sign up to um, so so yeah we're, we're absolutely thrilled um, it's a lot of hard work um, and uh, Lynn and Hamish uh, who do our uh, technical uh, support have been uh, working tirelessly behind the scenes in order to get this all set up. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be doing this. The first one, um, I believe, in the third week in January. Sounds fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the first one is uh, a COVID workshop that Lucy Kenyon, our immediate past president, is running. And that's going to be uh, about post-COVID return to work and doing a, a process flow mapping exercise and actually teaching people practical skills on how to do that process flow map. So that's going to be invaluable for, for members going forward uh, post-COVID vaccine. Was there anything that in particular that drove the decisions to offer these webinars? I think really it was just about, you know, what can we do for our members? I mean, our, our, our members are, are vitally important to, you know, the continuation of, of IOH. And it was about giving something back. It was about, you know, making sure that even though, you know, a £10 membership is, is you know, the price of four cups of coffee, you still need something back for that. There's no point in being an organisation that supports members if you don't do it. So I think really it was about making sure that we offer really good value for money, um, but also that we offer really good value in terms of the support that we can give in many different ways. And this is just one of them. The networking that obviously we do on social media is a, is a vital part, but obviously there are a lot of members that don't have social media accounts. So it was really important that you know we, we looked at ways in which we could get uh, I suppose, the most amount of benefit for the most amount of people. And as an organisation, that, that is, is certainly something that we're passionate about, is, is making sure that, that obviously people do communicate, that we share best practice and up-and-coming research and, and, and things that are important to, to the continuation of, of, of occupational health as, as, as a specialty. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. Lynn, what's, what's your input into the, the webinars and, and your thoughts on them? Yeah, so I'm going to be helping to to arrange and to help promote them and, and also to to try and get people to to sign up as well for speaking too. We've got a tremendous amount of, of resource within IOH. So it's fantastic to see members sort of reaching out and wanting to help to share their knowledge as well. So we've got quite a list of fantastic speakers. And so it's arranging them, helping with the webinars and supporting things all round. And uh I think it will be a really fantastic way of people networking as well. So we're obviously adding a bit of networking in because obviously this is a, a time when people are really are working, some of them quite alone. So these are really important. So we're hoping to sort of have them every couple of weeks. So it'll be a great support for people. And I'm absolutely quite overwhelmed by the numbers that have signed up for the first couple which shows that, you know, people, this is what people want. Um, and in some ways, we'll probably learn something going forward. You know, before we used to travel for meetings and things. And, you know, now I think, you know, webinars are commonplace since COVID. And they seem to work very well, a very efficient way of, of doing things. Absolutely. What I, what I get from you both is this passion to support the membership and the community. And I think you both mentioned the value in particular that you can provide through the organization back to the to, back to the practitioners that, that are for part of your membership but also that are not part of the membership what makes you so passionate about supporting others do you think well through my career you know there's been certain times when I felt I've needed more support um, in certain jobs that I've held um, and so it 
it would have been probably fantastic to 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 have a, a support network like this i mean although i was always very lucky to to have very good managers and um other people who who were able to help um there are times when you just want to share something um we have amazing support line as well confidential support line where somebody can um speak confidentially to somebody rather than it's being out in the open on a facebook page or whatever so it's about the support that, that we can give to others and to, to be able to kind of direct people throughout their career. You know, some people sometimes get a bit of a stuck in a rut or they don't quite know where to go next. So w- with our members that we have who who have been in different places at different times and different experiences, you know, sharing that knowledge is great. You know, looking at, you know, what training maybe to do next to, you know, what's really going to give a real benefit to employers and, and to the practitioners and to, to the health of, of occupational health and what about yourself Bill? Where, where does your passion for supporting others come from do you think um i think it's in built danny I've, I've i've always wanted to, to to be a nurse um from you know from a very young age which you know was probably frowned upon you know as a as a, a man's career but you know thank goodness i i didn't listen to the people that said oh no don't do it so i think that you know, throughout my, my working life, I've always wanted to either help in some way or, or, or support. And I know that sounds like a real cliche, but it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's part and parcel of, I suppose, who I am. And I'm certainly going into uh, education. I'm working in education in the last few years, as, as well as working in the, in the NHS. I think that, that mirrors that as well, because it's about bringing the best out of people. So it's moving on that step and, and taking the next, I suppose, the next leap of faith, really. And I've, I've found it exceptionally rewarding to actually see, you know, the students that come into the university, you know, not believing uh, in themselves and, you know, doubting whether they'll be able to, to get through. And then, you know, almost, I suppose, at the end, you know, seeing them graduate, which is, is just exceptional. I can't, I can't tell you how totally rewarding and awe-inspiring that is. And it's, it's almost like seeing your kids go out into the big wide world and making a success of things. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's just part and parcel of, of who I am. And then certainly out of the 37 years that I've been a nurse this year, I suppose, you know, occupational health has, has been part of that for, for over 30 years. So I think that, you know, the passion for, for occupational health and all things, re, you know, related to supporting people has, 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 has all, I suppose, come to uh, fruition with, with this, this role in, in, in IOH, which, you know, if you'd have asked me years ago, you know, do you think you'll ever be president of IOH? I'd have probably laughed in your face and said, you know, <laughs> are you mad you know you, you need your bumps felt really but it's it's just who I am so what changed why, why did you suddenly decide actually do you know what I, I will become president I didn't decide I will become president <laughs> um I think it was just one of the things um and I think sometimes you know I'm probably the one that that, that needs my bumps feeling um, <laughs> Because, you know, it's, it's a tremendous responsibility. It's a great honour to be, you know, to be elevated to that, that position of trust. But I suppose it also shows the, the trust that your peers and your colleagues have in, in, in you as a 
person and also what you bring to the role? Yeah, um, it's 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 it is a com- you know a, a complete and utter shock, and particularly when you know the 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 the, the post of president was becoming vacant. Lucy had done her two terms, uh, I suppose, as it were. I think it was um, four years that Lucy's been president. And I think that, you know, Lucy's now devoting her energy in uh, COVID and the NHS. And obviously it was just needed going forward that, you know, that, that, that somebody was in that, in that position to be able to take the reins. And as vice president, it, it really, I suppose I, I had a choice to make at that point. And the choice was to go with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. And, and I think it's nice that people have that trust. It is. Um, and, I, and I think that it's, it's, it's an absolute honour and a privilege to be able to, to, to be in the role. And obviously not necessarily for, 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 the, you know, for the pomp and the circumstance and the lights and things like that. I, I'm not interested in that. I'm not doing this for my own professional career. Um, and, and, and again, you know, that might sound a bit, a bit cliched, but it's about, you know, what we can do. Um, and I suppose it really does fit with the education role as well. It's about sharing knowledge. It's about best practice. It's about encouraging research and really bringing the profession together to be able to do that. And IOH with the other organizations, you know, going forward, working collaboratively, I think, COVID has taught us that, you know, the public health perspective of, of, of occupational health is, is going to be vitally important. And I suppose in some respects, occupational health, not the well-being side of it, I think the well-being side of it has, has always, you know, thought about uh, the public health agenda. Um, but I think occupational health lost its way a little bit in terms of the public health agenda. And I see this as, 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 as being... A challenge but it's also been I suppose a, a bit of a gift in terms of making sure that we do go back to looking at that public health agenda and following that through for the for the for the future um, and I think that that is going to be vital. I think that's, that's a, a, a really good point and um, one that, that I think I wish you well in to be fair I, I wish you all success in, in your term as or terms as president one question on that, Neil, is what would you hope your legacy would be? Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, that does put me on the spot, actually. Yeah, I think I would probably like that people thought I was good in the role and that I was worthy of that trust. So I think that, yeah, I think that that, that would be it, really. And, and I think that you know, if we if we look at some of the other past presidents, you know, they've they've done some great things, and I'd like to be held in the in the thoughts that that they are, and yeah, that I was worthy. It might sound a bit a bit odd, but but yeah, that the, the the confidence and the trust that people had put in me was was worth it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's a, a fair and valid point. And what about yourself, Lynn? I'm guessing the vice president roles relatively new to yourself. How did that come about? 
Yeah, that's right. Well, I think just with, with working with IOH for the last few years, and I, I feel, you know, it was time to sort of step up and to to support the president. Um, and Neil was was uh, taking over and um, asked me to be vice president. So I was very privileged to be in that position and to be able to accept. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's about, you know, looking at the direction of IOH and making sure that things are sustainable in the future and members are getting value for money and we're able to support in the best possible way. Lynn really, she doesn't know I'm going to say this, but Lynn is the, the unsung hero of uh, uh, OH Today and IOH. She does a phenomenal amount of work for IOH and really does go above and beyond. Lynn and I work exceptionally well as a team. We fire off each other uh, in terms of ideas and inspiration and certainly as the, I suppose, the, the figureheads of, of, of IOH in some respects, it's 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 really good to be working with somebody that that is you know able to challenge um and inspire and you know actually develop things going forward and and i think that you know we do work exceptionally well together and and lynn is amazing the 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 work that she does and and the passion that she puts into it and the amount of hours that she puts into it as well are, 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 are tremendous. And, you know, I think that the members need to know that, you know, that, that, that Lynn really does hold things together. Oh, uh, thank you, Neil. That's, uh, very... that's, that's, that's a, a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant for me as president in making sure that, you know, I've got my Batman uh, and Lynn really... <laughs> Um, oh, I've never been called a Batman before, but so, yeah, you, you know, I have to say, um, I really enjoy it. And that's another reason why I do it, because it's so enjoyable, because it's, it's about looking to the future and everything. So, you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it, because there'd be other things in life that I would probably enjoy more. But, th- you know, things sort of come from other things, don't they? And, um, you know, I've certainly learned a lot from, from doing my OH work and all the e-journal. So um, it's been very, very positive. We'll look to the future. So, so that's a great segue there, Lynn. What is the future? What do you think the future looks like for the IOH and Doc Health generally? I, I think it's very bright. And I think COVID has probably kind of made us all think a little bit more about occupational health and how so important it is. You know, we've got so many people out there, you know, in the NHS and retail, essential services, gas, oil, all working there at the moment um, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and, and we've really got to kind of acknowledge that and keep them safe. Um, because if it's not about COVID, it could be about something else. It could be about loss of hearing, you know, noise induced deafness, British issues and skin issues so there's so many different sorts of occupational health conditions that can be and I think having seen things through the stages having been in occupational health for over 30 years now you know I've seen a a fantastic um, change in in legislation which is helping people to keep safer and healthier for longer so, so I really think it's, it's about kind of having practitioners who are, you know, up to the minute, keeping abreast of everything, feel well supported and really able to kind of lead occupational health into the next stage, which, which will be different from what we've been in today and, and previously. But it's, it's about using technology, I think, as well, a lot more. 
and that's something which probably had been a bit slow, um, but we realise now the benefits since COVID um, and how the, you know, people can work so much more efficiently. And an example of that would be a sort of uh, case management, which would, a lot of it had been done face to face. And now, you know, probably find, you know, at the moment, 99% is being done um, remotely and is probably working extremely well using video technology and things to, to look at people's workplaces and issues that they have. So what, uh, Tim that was on a previous podcast mentioned that AI in healthcare seemed to be growing quite quickly. Um, do you think AI will ever have a role to play within occupational health and the workplace? Without doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, we're already looking at wearable technology within, you know, our normal lives in terms of, you know, smart watches and things like that. And, you know, one of the the, the smartwatch that I, I currently use has got, you know, noise meters on, it's got blood oxygen measurement, it's got ECG recording. So I think that, you know, artificial intelligence going forward for occupational health is, is going to be pivotal in making sure that we can protect workers. And I think that it's not going to be too long before, you know, that wearable technology is going to be coming into, uh, in, into the workplace and, and I think it's got a really important part to play. One of the webinars actually that we're going to be doing is, is looking at making technology work for you in terms of uh, one of our partners, uh, Vitalograph, uh, are actually going to be doing that and looking at the way that technology is going to be advancing within occupational health and how you know, we can make it work seamlessly with a number of the software manufacturers that most occupational health uh, practitioners are going to be using so I think it's a really important part and one thing that we need to make clear is that you know in some respects we are an aging workforce in in terms of occupational health practitioners and, and professionals and it, it is going to be a challenge you know for some people to grasp but, you know, with the networking and the, the support that's available, then, you know, certainly, you know, we can make a success of it. And I, th I think that, yeah, AI and technology going forward is, is going to be an important part of the occupational health agenda, really. That's a really good point uh, that, that you make there, Neil, about the ageing workforce and the adaptation to new technology. One question I'd have on that would be what where you think the future is with regards to recruitment of roles into occupational health how do you attract nurses into the occupational health environment and clinicians generally into occupational health this, that, that is definitely going to be a challenge going forward because obviously you know we're, we're trying to recruit people into occupational health and the providers are actually doing that at the moment which is which is fantastic i'm seeing you know lots of posts that some of the bigger providers are, are recruiting but obviously you know we're, we're in a, a pandemic situation at the moment and the demand for nurses on the front line has never been greater we've got you know a tremendous amount of vacancies in the nhs so I think we've actually got a real challenge uh, going forward in making sure that we can encourage people to consider a, a career in occupational health. I mean, if I if I look back in, in you know, into my career, you know, where I started from, I, I, I was working in accident and an emergency and in a small suite of theatres doing emergency operations. And, you know, on one particular day, you know, I just had this this flash of inspiration and thought, you know, 
probably 90% of the people that, that I'm looking after at the moment and, and helping to screw up for in the theatres were injured at work. And I thought, right, you know, there must be something in this. What, what is in, in this and, and what can, you know, you know, what can I do, um, you know, to try and prevent some of these injuries in the first place? And that's, I suppose, where that, 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 that flash of inspiration for me came in. And it was like, right, OK, well, let's look at this. So I think that, you know, there does have to be some kind of flash of inspiration or some kind of pivotal point where you consider occupational health. And I think, you know, for me, with, with over 30 years in occupational health now, it's been an incredibly rewarding career. I've worked across, you know, multiple sectors with uh, multiple organisations and enjoyed every minute of it. There's, there's not been many days where I didn't want to get out of bed and, and want the new challenge that, that occupational health can bring. Um, and, and I think that you know, there are a million and one different shades of grey. There are very few absolute black and whites in occupational health. And I think that that's really what, what occupational health is all about. It's, it's variety. It's, you know, that, that real sense that you are actually preventing ill health in the workplace and obviously supporting the workforce of the UK. And I think that occupational health is not really given the, or, or hasn't been centrally, given the, the kudos that it really does deserve because, you know, we're supporting the backbone of the UK working age population and it needs to become more widespread in terms of the amount of people that we actually, you know, uh, look after. If, if you have an occupational health service where you work, you're incredibly lucky and that can't be the norm going forward. Why do you think that is that it's seen on the in this light? Do you think? I think that you know the 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 cost in general of of, of occupational health to everybody would be phenomenal, and uh, obviously I think that occupational health does need to change going forward in terms of making it more available to the general population and and to be seen as 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 a, a pivotal part of of probably even the National Health Service, that would be an ideal. And I think that we've got a long way to go before that could happen. And a lot of investment and also um, a lot of training, a lot of training of professionals going forward to, to work within the sector would be, would be tremendously rewarding. And there needs to be a massive amount of investment in training. For instance, the, with the specialist community public health nurses, health visitors and, and school nurses and district nurses are funded by central government, essentially, whereas occupational health never has been. And, you know, what we need to do really is to make representation to ensure that, you know, training places are offered going forward and, and that are properly funded rather than, you know, relying on either individuals to pay for themselves or their employers to make that investment. And I think that that's one of the things that I've been trying to do for a number of years whilst working in education is to say, right, OK, well, you know, we can no longer be the poor relative. We've got to be up there with the other specialist community public health practitioners and not only Skiffen, but also, you know, the other professions within the occupational health arena. You know, they do need some investment. We need investment in training and we need to look at the at the phenomenal value that that training could could have 
back to the working age population and, and the, the public health agenda going forward. Sounds like big plans uh, and big steps would be, need to be taken to get to that position though, Neil. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, if you don't try, you're not going to get, are you? And I think that the representation that we're making, not only as an organisation in IOH, but also in the education sector as well. You know, we've seen the approval of the apprenticeship going forward and employers are, you know, chomping at the bit for, for, you know, for courses to be approved. And but for COVID, that, that might have happened from last September. But that really, I suppose, put the kibosh on it. But obviously, going forward, it's certainly something that we're going to be looking at is getting those uh, those courses approved at the different universities. And you'll see them cropping up. And that's that's the first part of it, really, because obviously it does open up to to more employers to be able to to reap the benefits of the uh, apprenticeship levy that they're paying into. But it's only big businesses that are paying into that apprenticeship levy. So I suppose we need to open it up that little bit more and say, right, okay, well, how can we make it more accessible to the smaller provider or to the lone practitioner? And I think that, you know, working with Health Education England is certainly going to be a a, a way forward for that and making sure that, you know, occupational health is given the the kudos that it deserves in in pushing the, the occupational health agenda forward. All right, Lynn, what, what's your views on, on what Neil's just been speaking about? Yeah, I would totally echo what, what Neil says. You know, I think it's so important um, that we, you know, we keep moving forward and, you know, making sure that people are attracted to come into occupational health. And sometimes it's about starting small. So, you know, uh, um, maybe taking a, a post as um, perhaps doing some health surveillance, obviously being trained in the elements, which the, the, the to deliver which um, can be a great way in you know vaccinations so there's lots of ways into occupational health and it's really trying to support people through that I mean I started working for the airline industry as a practice nurse doing vaccinations and uh, that's how I got into occupational health and my interests sort of grew from there and then I went on to study for the for the qualification so it's it's about trying to find a way in for people um it's it's very very difficult to get that first step but i think you know by really trying to look at how we can try and get the best people who are right for occupational health in there because it's a fantastic job you know there's lots of flexibility to work from home and to to see different types of industry as well which uh, is extremely rewarding so what does the future look like for occupational health for you lynn I think it will be about technology and it will be about, you know, personalised kind of programmes for people to keep them fit at work. And obviously we've got different ways in which people will be working. So if we think of how the pandemic may may change things for the future, people at home, um, mental health issues obviously coming from that as well. Um, People who are are trying to work in sort of accommodation that's perhaps not that suitable. So I think it's about really looking at the whole picture, physically, mentally, emotionally, and really trying to work out, you know, how we can support people in the best possible way going forward um, it's not going to be the same people you know may not have colleagues you know next to them that are you know over the other side of the desk if you know what I mean so, so it's about trying to find different ways and I think that's where organizations like IOH can really help to connect people and to support them through you know what might be quite difficult times for them. It sounds like the future is really exciting for for occupational health 
one question you you both mentioned covid's impact on the on the industry and occupational health how do you think covid's impacted on other uh, health conditions or, or or do you feel that other health related conditions have been missed in the workplace due to a focus on covid uh, obviously i'm referring to here restrictions on certain types of health surveillance and medical assessments generally so do you think maybe there's been a we're kind of gearing up and there may well be a, a flood of of new conditions come to light once once face-to-face assessments and surveillance recommences I don't think so, Danny, because I think we've probably had quite good protocols before this all started. So, yes, of course, it's really important to sort of catch up on on things, make sure people, you know, haven't developed symptoms. But I think overall, I think, you know, we were in a very good place before the pandemic started. And I think that will, will help to eliminate any massive issues coming from that point of view. And I think the health surveillance programmes, once we can get going again, you know, should be fairly easy to establish, as long as we've obviously got the staff as well who are, you know, keeping the skills up to date to enable that to happen. I think it's actually given us an opportunity as well to actually look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. and and whether it's important to continue it. And I think that, you know, with the risk assessments that uh, obviously people have done in terms of, you know, the the actual risk of doing those jobs have been revisited. We've looked at different ways of monitoring people. And I think that the future is is gonna be bright in terms of the the wearable technology going forward. And uh, obviously there is a real gap in the market for some of the equipment providers to actually look at what you know, they could do or what they could provide in terms of monitoring real life situations rather than just relying on health surveillance to actually pick up people that might then have symptoms. So I think whilst it's been a challenge, we actually need to, to look at the gift that it's given us in going forward because obviously the changes that we could make going forward could really be for the better. And it not being about monitoring, but really being about prevention in in the first place. And that, I suppose, the gift of COVID, uh, uh, the gift or the curse of COVID, you can look at it in two different ways. But I think that if we we look at it as the gift of COVID, it's going to allow us to, to refocus what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and when we, we do it. And I think that we need to revisit that going forward when we establish this new normal and look at, you know, ways in which we can be innovative in our practice and, and ways that we can add real value to the, the health surveillance programmes going forward. So I think that, yeah, it does give us a gift. That's a really nice way to put it and, and quite a positive way to look at it in, in what's been a challenging time for everybody. So as I get towards the end of the podcast now, Bo, thanks again so much for coming on to the session. I'd normally end with just a couple of questions. So I'll start with you, Neil, if that's okay. Yeah. And the the question I normally ask is, what's the best leadership lesson that you've ever learned? For me is that, you know, a leader isn't, you know, somebody that, that is anything, you know, in terms of, you 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 put into a position of 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 trust but it's not authority a a good leader is somebody that can inspire others and that you know challenges others you know to be the the best version of themselves and you know inspires i suppose 
bringing out the best the best outcome for everybody and it's not about leading and, and managing it's about allowing others to have confidence in themselves to be able to achieve the very very best and it's it's not about you know any glory or uh, any kind of kudos to the, to the leader it's about making sure that you've got the best team working together for the best outcome for whatever you're trying to achieve and I suppose I've been in leadership roles for probably about the last 14-15 years and, and I suppose this one is is the, the leadership role that I've got at the moment is is by far the most challenging because the team team IOH and its membership is is massive it's huge and I don't lead in terms of, of or sorry I don't manage uh, IOH I'm just somebody that hopefully can can bring about change in IOH to make sure that it's it's doing the best job it can and I think that yeah it's a challenge but it's certainly something that I'm really really enjoying doing so yeah I think that that pretty much sums it up really it's 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 about making sure that you know we can support each other that we can bring the best out in each other and that we can work together for the future of of, of OH. Thank you very much Neil. Uh, Lynn what's what's the best leadership lesson you've ever learned? I think the art of reflection I think is really important for everybody wherever they are in their journey. So it's looking back trying to learn from things you know we're not all perfect and it's really important to to, to realise that, you know, sometimes it is about trying again in a different way. You know, sometimes I can think back to to early days trying to implement things like, you know, a, a hearing conservation programme and, you know, people being very anti it. But, you know, it is about trying and trying again, maybe in a different sort of way and finding a really good mentor, I think, to, to help you. Maybe somebody that's got, you know, a lot of experience in OH can be really, really helpful especially if you get into a position where you may be getting a little bit stuck fantastic yeah it's a really good really good lesson as well reflection and, and the power of mentoring is 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 vitally important yeah that's the second in the series of webinars is about reflection that's a really good plug there neil yeah yep. that's the one you're doing neil isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, and, and the last the last question just to, to fun, finish the show is uh, what advice would you give to your younger self so Neil you went first last time so Lynn I'm going to ask you what what advice would you give young, your younger self I think it's trying not to look too far ahead at any stage I think we can all have this dream of where we want to go but sometimes things can, can actually be a sort of build on what you've done already so I never ever thought that I would ever get to the situation where I'd be vice president of IOH and in in sort of um, an occupational health position you know managing teams and things and I think it is about just a step-by-step approach and, and basically I think a build up building up your experience I think would be what I would say. Fantastic. And, and Neil? I think it, for me, it would be trust your gut. And I think that, you know, that, that tells us an awful lot uh, about, you know, how we should manage things. And I think that sometimes you, you have to go with your, your inner thoughts and feelings and, and trusting that gut and making sure that, you know, obviously you do that. 
would would be a, a, a lesson to my younger, uh, sorry, a, a note to my younger self, definitely. Fantastic. Some great advice there for everybody to take for themselves as well. Trusting your gut is always a, a really powerful lesson. It's something that people don't do enough, I think. But that's the end of the show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, make sure to check out our community where we help people to network, learn new skills and develop them and their business. Thanks for listening to the Simply People podcast. Before we go, show some love for what we're doing by leaving us a review on your podcast platform or sharing the episode with a friend. Tune in for our next episode where we'll be speaking with another amazing guest. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Simply People podcast.